0: Welcome to Launch Left Podcast. I'm Rain Phoenix, your host. Today's very special guest is Tegan and Sarah. Don't forget, rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. And leave a review. Tell your friends. Thanks for being part of the community. Have a great day.
1: Thanks for having us. It's weird because I don't think of us as having actually met, but there was this one time that Clea, this was a long time ago. This was probably like 12 years ago. She dragged me... I'm like a nerd. Like I'm not like a cool person who hangs out cool places. Like I'm like, I'm not, I don't know. I just like, I call myself a normie. Like I'm a very normal person. And one time when I was visiting LA, she made me go to the Chateau and you and your brother and like a bunch of other fabulous looking people were all hanging out there. And Clea just was like, Hey guys. And like, just like, was talking to you guys. And I was just like, <laughs> I feel I felt like I looked like, like someone in the cleaning staff or something. Like I just was like a stalker who clearly couldn't get rid of. Anyways, I did sort of informally meet you one time before, but it was really, I mean, I made myself as small as a pixel when I did. <laughs> so
0: I like that expression, as small as a pixel. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. It's very, uh, it's very modern. <laughs> you know what? I'm
1: just, I'm just a modern girl. But anyway. I, well, I love- nice
0: to meet yeah. you again then, Sarah.
1: I know. Next time, ta- next time. If you'd um, met me, you'd know because I have never <laughs> small like a pixel. And <laughs>
0: are you guys very different like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sarah, I, I, I that, should, like should... in the in the womb, I got all the confidence, and and uh, <laughs> I just feel like we're, that's like probably one of our biggest differences. Is I just feel this probably undeserving amount at times of self-confidence. And Sarah is always the one that's like shuffling around, calling herself part of the cleaning crew. And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Stop that.
0: That's interesting. Cause I feel like I have both those, both those personality types in me. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. I came into the world really shy, painfully shy. Mm-hmm. And then I learned that like, if you'd want to, do things and build things and get things done. You have to come out of your shell. So, yeah. And so I can do both, or I am both.
1: I should say. I think that's yeah. great. Well, maybe that comes with time too. Like I think.
0: Yeah, I am ancient. So. No. <laughs> I, it's true, though. I've got at least a decade or two on you. So. No. No. no.
2: Um,
1: yeah. Well, I think sometimes you know it's it's a funny thing. Like I think a lot of artists, all of us are you know, it's weird how we can come alive, like on stage and we can carry, you know, a whole show and we can direct tens of thousands of people's energy towards us. But then you go into like a cost, you know, shopping, like, you know, to go shopping and like, someone will come over to me and be like, can I help you with any sizes? And I'm like, no,
2: no,
1: no, no, don't notice me. You know, like, it's so funny. Like the things that bring out, like the other day I had to go to the dermatologist. I'd never been to a dermatologist because it takes like 5,000 years to see one in Canada. And I was down in LA with my partner and she took me to her dermatologist. And she's like a celebrity dermatologist. I was so nervous. It was like, I was, I don't, I can't even think of a time I've been so nervous. And, um, when we were sitting in the room, Sophia, my partner turned to me at one point point. she was like, why are you behaving like this? Like, what am I doing? And she was like, you're just acting so strange. And I'm like, I'm so nervous. And, It's funny, like you know, but then I can like, I don't know, walk into like the backstage at Coachella, and I'm like, Beyonce, get out of the way, you know, like I don't know, like certain things just like don't intimidate me. It's never, Tegan, you would never, no, I wouldn't. I (laughs) was,
0: it was, it was, it was kind of like behaving like a pixel or something. Yeah, expression, right. (laughs) <laughs> Beyonce, get out of the way. It was an expression. It an expression. <laughs> yeah. You would never do that. We know No, that. I love Beyonce um, too much. I did see <laughs> I I one, so
1: it once.
0: Yeah, cool. I think there's right. something to be said for a kind of, you know, stage just – it's like a cloak of performance that comes over when you step on a stage. I think – that's something that even people who haven't yet to perform or don't plan on it, if when they step on a large stage, I think they would it would be noticeable. Kind of like when you get married, you know, you think, oh, it's just a piece of paper, and I'm going to get married, and you know, we'll still be the same, right? But there's something that happens that changes the relationship imperceptibly, but then very perceptibly. Like, suddenly, you're like, why am I behaving different? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know if it's it's just this sort of like, well, the world believes. I'm married or the world believes I'm a performer. So now I'm stepping into this new version.
1: I think think that's spot on. I think that's spot on. There's also, I think that what I've found through talking about this a lot in therapy is when I feel like this is going to sound crazy when I'm being paid to do something, I'm like, well, I'm obviously good at this. Like if someone's paying me to be somewhere, I can like really lean into the part of me that is like, yes, I'm good at this. And when I'm just doing normal life, I'm like, I'm garbage. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's Ah. a really, like, it's really, and I I don't mean to sound like that's very extreme version. I don't, mostly I go through my life feeling like probably something very in between that. But I think when, like to go back to the, that sort of original story I was telling, like there was a period of my life where anytime I was in a situation where it, maybe it wasn't clear what I do for a living or what I what I'm successful at, I would be like, well, I have nothing to offer these people. I have nothing. Like I'm not substantial in any way. And it took me a long time to figure out that I could be interesting on my own, that I didn't always have to be part of Tegan and Sarah, the band, but also just Tegan and Sarah twin sisters who like show up places and everyone goes, Oh, interesting. I really didn't believe that I was that interesting (laughs) until, until probably like I was in my thirties, you know?
0: Yeah, it's wild to think about that for all of us and also just culturally, you know, how we all grow up with this idea of success and, like, as long as you're being paid for, you're successful, then you're something. Yeah. Otherwise, you're nothing. And so it's no wonder there's so much despondency and mental health issues. And things. It's like, how can everyone be a success? How can everyone knock it out of the park and get their name in lights or, you know? Yeah. And so instead, you know, I, I really hope this little this little hub we've created is kind of this wish and aspiration that those who want to make art just make art and feel seen for that and feel heard for that without it having to make a big splash necessarily. But uh, and that's so that's part of also why it's fun to have people who have made a splash and who have done it their own way and arrived in a sense to pay it forward and talk about other artists that they really champion that might not have that opportunity yet so it's a kind of practice this this whole podcast is a way to try to unravel a little bit of that because I do think that you know I don't think people who are successful feel that as much although I've heard that people who are successful just want to be more successful so it actually never ends (laughs) it's like a cycle of like we're not big enough we didn't get that we let's go for this you know so Yeah. I don't know if it ever ends unless we end the obsession with sort of like fame and, you know, uh, you know, like arriving, the sense of like arrive as if anyone ever fully arrives in their
1: life, yeah. you know. The best, like I have this thing that just popped into my head when you were saying that, like in 2010, I think it was, we were opening for Cindy Lauper on her True Colors tour. Yeah, it was such a delight. She was incredible. And one night we did this HRC event and Regina Spector was also on the leg of dates that we were doing. And I remember we went to this HRC event and Cindy and Regina and Sarah and I were sitting together and Regina was asking Cindy Lopper all these questions about like, we were all kind of, we, meaning Sarah and I and Regina, you know, we were kind of complaining about like how hard it is in the industry and it's so tough. And you know, when are you satisfied? And like, you know, Regina was kind of giving this really eloquent, wonderful sort of soliloquy about like, <laughs> like art is hard. Well, Cindy, here's the three of us kind of, you know, all lamenting how tough it can be, you know, how hard art is. And, you know, she kind of just did, she kind of gave us all a lecture about how it's always hard. And that the, the harder it is, the more you know you're doing something challenging, you're trying something new. And that even at the height of her success, it's like she came off, you know, this moment with she's so unusual, like all these Grammys, all this big moment. And she's like, "Then, then it's hard because you're like, well, then what do I do? And how do I sustain that? Or how do I do something creatively satisfying that's different? And I remember really thinking a lot about that after that tour and through the next part of our career where, you know, it became about assigning value to like the kind of success that I was interested in and that for me, the value is in challenging myself. And so it, it it's like success looks really different from year to year. Like sometimes success is like, how do we get a bigger, better time slot on a festival? But then the next year, it's like, how do we take a year off and write a book? Like, how do we do that? How do we, you know, like to me, it's always changing and challenging myself to do something different. And that's allowed me to feel like slightly less upset about not achieving certain kinds of success. And I think like going back to what you were saying about uh, shining a light on new artists and helping other people, like I think what Cindy was doing for us, like Sarah and I've tried to pay forward to so many artists as well, like sharing information, sharing experiences, reminding artists that sometimes you'll think, Oh I just I want to have my song come out and I want it to be huge I want it to get playlisted on all the big Spotify lists and then it happens and then you feel this emptiness and it didn't it didn't satisfy you and that that's actually really normal and that most people feel that way and that you're going to have to start to look inwards not to get real woo woo here but like you have to start to look inwards and see like what is it that you really want you know like a lot of these external check marks that we're putting on the list of things that we're supposed to achieve as people not just as artists or you know, performers or whatever, just as human beings, like getting a big screen TV or you know, getting a a butt that you see on TikTok all the time. And everybody wants a nice butt or whatever. It's like, it's <laughs> like, wow, true. I was like, that's what's an like interesting trending. spectrum from, from yeah. a big screen TV whoop to a butt. Whoop. Yeah, just, I love <laughs> but loved it. I don't know. Like it, it, my thing is just like it's always changing you know what you want to achieve and ultimately it's never the things you thought like it's not the obvious stuff that that fills the inside you know yeah
0: yeah that's that's good of you thank you for sharing that with our audience and because i think you know for those who feel like they've never had that they assume that if you do have that everything's great yeah. So to for you know and I think it's always about really opportunity that we're interested in like how do artists maintain receiving a form of opportunity to do what they love and to feel seen when they do it and that's you know a tough call because it is a competitive sport yeah. um and it does and and you know there are, there's a lot out there that you know isn't great. Yeah. <laughs> And there yeah. are some people who shouldn't quit their day jobs. But, um, <laughs> but that said, you know, each and every one of us is, is a creative, even those whose day jobs are accounting. I feel like people with numbers, there is, we, by living, we create. By existing, that is creation, right? And so... Um, it, and so I'm always like, just cultivate being creative. Let's, let's start there and finding pockets mm-hmm. of time to, to find yourself through the creative and art. I see it's Sarah also, thinking, yeah. Let's yeah.
1: I it. was like, you know, I think there's like this, not to put it into like such, like, like a binary, but like, you know, there's the part of most of us that is like artistic and creative. And then there's just like a J O B, you know, like I, I love making music. I love writing books. I love doing all the creative things that Tegan and I do, but there's just like a huge chunk of that, that is just a job now. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. Like the thing that peaked, that peaked for me was like um, this idea that if you are a creative person, that if you're not making a living or having a job with, you know, you doing that thing, that somehow you're not as successful. But the truth is that I think, I mean, some of my most creative friends, some of my most inspired friends, do not want to earn a living from their art because they understand that like the, the, the sanctity of what they do would be forever changed. It would be, there would be a sort of surrender or a compromise that just fundamentally makes them feel uncomfortable. And I, I I have that too, but I'm also like, I'm also like a business minded person who's really excited about business and the industry and all of these things. And so luckily I'm able to sort of like hold both of those things at the same time, I can be like a super creative artistic person, but also I'm like really delighted and creatively stimulated by the business part of making what we make into something that earns us money. And not everybody is equipped with that. Like our, our art director for the last like 20 years, she's an amazing artist, but she is an unbelievable chef, like an unbelievable chef. And when we were younger people and she would be like, the music industry fucking sucks. Like it's such a sellout business. And I was like, Oh my God, we've turned your beautiful art into like landfill garbage, you know, or whatever. And she, I'd be like, you should be a chef. Like you should be a chef. And she'd be like, then it would be a job. Like I I cook and I create food and environments for people to eat and talk and share because it's like another form of art for me. And I don't want it to be a job. And I, I, I like really admire that because I would be like, I'd be a chef and an artist, you yeah. <laughs> know. Like I, like I really. Yeah, but okay, yeah. well, I'm going to push back on that because over my shoulder here, this okay, no. is art that Sarah draws. And Sarah draws these incredible, in like intricate, wild portraits with pen that like every single person, like I have a couple of them when people come to my house, they're always like, oh my God, who, who is this artist? And I'm like, Sarah. And if I were Sarah, if I could do, if I could do that, first of all, I wouldn't even be in this band. I would be selling my art. I would be on my own. It would be taken in lights. You know what I mean? Like, like, I I just don't understand it. And Sarah's just like, oh, no, never mind. So I don't know. I call bullshit on this whole (laughs) thing.
0: Well, you all are incredibly prolific. Speaking of multi-platform artists, I would call you. I know that you're known for music and you've written songs and played guitar since you were younger. First question is who picked up the guitar first? Because I think it was like I read somewhere that you were 15 when you started. Was there one of you in particular who was like started with some chords
1: and the other was like wait what's that (laughs) (laughs) we did we did kind of find the guitar at the same time we were musical we had played piano as as kids Uh, okay we listened to we were shitty at it like no one was like they're really good there's something there like we were just doing it because my mom was like dear god get out of the house for an hour but um i i think when we found the guitar it linked up with the music we were listening to at 15 we were listening to like nirvana and smashing pumpkins and hole and all of that and so we were like oh cool we want to play guitar. And we, we really had like an innate ability to construct songs. And and we started singing together and writing together and performing and right away people really liked us. And it felt authentic. Like, you know, I would sometimes look back and think like, you know, we're, the, were people just putting it on, but when we found like the demo tapes of of our recordings in high school and saw the videotapes of our performances in the nineties, even now at 41, I feel like I objectively can say, like, there was something there. Like, I see what people saw in us at that age. And um, and I'm not sure how much we've improved, to be honest with you. I'm like, yep, that, all that stuff looks like the good and the bad kind of looks the same, you know? Like, um, But yeah, we both. I think we bo- what we were doing then, I think when we found the guitar and what made us love it was how joyful it made us feel. Yeah, like made music. And that's what people were picking up on. It wasn't mm. that we were perfect. They were just, it's so clear when you watch the videos and hear the songs, how much joy yeah. it we were experiencing it was so unbridled. And you can see the reaction in people is that like, it's not like, oh, wow, they're the next Beatles. People were just like, this feels good. And it feels real, you know, and I think that you know, this isn't my way of trying to get out of practicing or rehearsing or trying to improve. I just think that we've been very careful and protective of that joy over the years and made sure that we still feel it. When I pick up the guitar, it's not a job.
0: Yeah, I love that. I was just thinking how how that's, you know, again, a kind of practice to do that, because there's something that happens when you do something, replace the joy, and everyone notices it, and they're like, yes, you, and then the next version of, of you is tainted almost by yeah. that. Oh, yes. You, you know, and you're like, Oh no, what do I do now? Like they like me. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a skillfulness in your own mind to maintain. Remember why we started this? It was for joy. It's yeah. joy creation and not like, okay, let's one up and do this. And, and that's really cool that you think that way or that, that you've maintained that because I think it's noticeable when an artist like, uh, accepts the accolades and then makes a project, you know, you're kind of can tell. Yeah. Uh, to self yeah, like too self involved, like reflective or something, or they know, they know what people
1: mm-hmm. want, you know, authentic but that's like, it feels like to me, what you're describing is an artist who knows how to, replicate what they did in the past. I'm not sure that we're capable of that. I feel like every time we're even remotely successful at something, even if I tried to replicate what I did, I'm not that kind of artist. So I'm like, right. like every time we have a moment, you know, cause our career now has been, you know, t- over 20 years, there's only been a few moments where we've been like really successful by like outside standards. And when I like think about those moments, like even if I wanted to replicate that moment, I have no idea how we would even do that. You know, we always follow up everything with just whatever happens next. Cause like, I don't, I don't really feel like capable of sitting down and going, this is the kind of record that I'm going to make, or this is the kind of song that I'm going to write. I just sit down and like, I truly believe I'm just a conduit. I'm just receiving coming next. Sometimes it's better than other shit. You know what I mean? And I don't know, like that's, I embrace that. I think like, yeah anyway so I just like I feel like what you're talking about like that's a different kind of artist an artist who says oh people really like this and this has been really successful for me so I'm going to go ahead and keep doing that that's like a whole skill set I don't I certainly don't have (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. now uh you have a new single
1: out and you have a new record
0: out you know we have like
1: I think an enthusiasm and excitement about this album just because it sort of came out of Many years of sort of sitting still, which is not something we'd ever done in our adult lives. The pandemic certainly sidelined our touring, but also our creative kind of schedule. I guess you could say, like we'd been pretty regularly writing, recording, and touring albums for 20 years, and so this album feels like, you know, sort of a rebirth or a reemergence, like you know, um, from from a really sort of quiet period and Um, in a really restful period and so I feel like there's a lot of like good good positive energy it feels like a live album it feels like we want to go out and like you know blow people's eardrums and that feels really exciting and um and you know sort of taking it back to basics just like can we can we make songs that don't need a lot of bells and whistles and magic can we just can we just can we be compelling with just, you know, strong melodies and, and, you know, and great lyrics. And um, anyways, we're really excited about it. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's fun to be making, you know, records after all this time, you know, I mean, it doesn't feel like doesn't necessarily feel like it's um, it's a given anymore. You know, some people just don't get to do that and we do and that feels like we feel really like a lot of gratitude about it.
0: It's it's so so very exciting, and then I assume you'll be hitting the road, yes, um, in support yeah. of it.
1: Yay! Yeah, we're good. we're gonna go out in uh, in October and November, so that's gonna be really exciting. Three, it'll be th- I think in November it'll be officially three years since we've played a show, so that's like really exciting. Yeah, wow,
0: and um, so you've answered my question about where music found you. Kind of, we talked about guitar and sort of your influences at the time and why you moved from piano. Uh, one thing I always like to ask, too, is w- what is your form of activism or how do you give back in, in a wider sense to the world? And I know you both have an amazing organization, so I'd love for you to share a little bit about that, too. Yeah. So in
1: 2015, 2016, in that time period, we t- we sort of formed um, with our management, like a sort of thinking on how to give back and have more uh uh, reach when it comes to giving, you know, we hit a certain point in our career where we were getting hit up constantly like, Oh, do you want to donate a guitar or help raise money for this organization? And we've always been really like active politically. We've always been really, really social justice minded, always allowing people to table other shows. But that was sort of the time period where we were like, how do we focus this? And, um, so we decided to start a foundation that raises money and awareness and, and sort of builds community for, um, women and girls in the LGBTQ community with a real focus on on trans women and women of color, because those organizations out there raise far less money than the organizations that center gay men. And so like most things on earth, it's just really hard to get people to care about women, especially as you start to get into that intersection of trans women and women of color. So Um, our focus with the Tegan and Sarah foundation is to, you know, raise money and funds for already established organizations or help those organizations develop programs that center women and girls in the LGBTQ community. It's been really hard work, but really, really gratifying work as well. Um, we just celebrated five years, you know, we're getting close to having raised $2 million. We're starting to get corporate sponsors that are coming in. We just had a massive, um, donation from vans the shoe company which is so great because we love vans but they just helped um fund our entire summer camp program this year so send lgbtq kids to lgbtq summer camps there's about 26 i believe
0: amazing i love that
1: so it's it's been amazing and honestly it's you know we really firmly believe in in um redistributing our wealth and our privilege we understand that being you know, born in the country where we were with the things that we had, with the support and the family we did. And, you know, as cis women, even as queer women, we still have an easier time and, and we need to give back. And I think that we acknowledge that there's so much more we can be doing. And we're just trying to do that through our work at the foundation and, and really encourage people to go check it out. We, you know, have lots of really cool programs and organizations we give to. And um, yeah, it's just been so gratifying and awesome.
0: Fantastic. Well, This is a fun thing to do every time for the show, which is that your launch, your launched artist, also known as your cousin, I believe, right? Yeah, Jen, is that right? Is that the right? Jen Clement is in the room. Is that cool? Hi, Hi, Jen. Jen.
3: Hi.
1: We. I was. I was just hanging out with Jen last night. We all live in Vancouver. And not only is she a talented um, musician and artist, but she also reads a manual like nobody's business. She helped me install a car seat into my partner's car because I'm about to become a parent next week. And if if she hadn't been there, my mom and I would probably still be standing outside of the house (laughs) in tears and probably would have burned our car to the ground. So (laughs) I'd just like to shout out, I'd like to launch Jen as an amazing musician, but also Very, very good at reading a manual. Very patient, under pressure.
3: Thank you. I think I almost appreciate that more than musicianship.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a great skill set because I think that's been the downfall of me learning Pro Tools better is I refuse to read like manuals. Almost anything, to be totally honest. (laughs) I just want to feel what's supposed to happen. And I've been able to teach myself that way, but... There's a a positive positive... to doing it that way too. I that. know, but manuals, it's like a dream to meet someone who who will do that work. It's, it's good <laughs> on you. It's Jen,
1: man. It's Cousin <laughs> thank Jen. Thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about your music, Jen. You want to share a little bit about, you've got a record out as well um, by the time we view this episode anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, it came out on the 24th of June. Um, my project is called Big Rig it's kind of my I was in a well I am in a band called the Courtney's and this is like my solo project um, where I play guitar I play drums and sing in my other bands so this is like I'm up front I just learned guitar like not that long ago so this is like a real big deal for me that this all came together as it did
1: all right. And well, I just want, I want yeah. to just also be like the cheerleader here to say Jen's other band, the Courtney's is fantastic. And this is Thank a band you. that very well established may, has made great albums, has toured a lot. I think it's not such a small deal to like come out on your own. I know when you've been like part of a band like Jen has, it's like so scary. I can't believe she plays guitar better than us already. And no. every, song, every <laughs> song is so good. And also, you are there's an entrepreneurial sort of like get it done attitude about you that I am like you prove that it is genetic in our family I mean it is just like we are just like we're not it's like we make music and then we're immediately like I've got t-shirts I've got hats I made a video I you know like we're very like you know it's just like I love that I'm so proud I feel like the the genetics run strong and I just I love that
3: thanks yeah it's that's definitely, it's weird. It's weird doing that stuff. Like I'm very motivated to do that stuff, but it's weird doing it like where I'm the sole person making the decisions because like in the Courtney's, I feel like I always call it like a democracy of dictators. Like we're always kind of like trying to get, you know, everyone on like on board with one idea. And it takes a lot of like back and forth and then I was like so excited to have like complete control over like the aesthetic and everything in this project but then I find myself like I just question everything like I don't have those people to like bounce it off of and it's just really
0: weird to like have to just trust myself. And yeah, no, it's it's oh, it's courageous. you know I did that I did that too and it took me I was f- uh, almost 50 but the f- first time I put a real solo record. So wow. so wow. you're way ahead. <laughs> and I put it under my name, which I like was never going to you know, I was that scared <laughs> of it. So you know it took uh, it took a while, but it was a really meaningful thing that had to be under my name. So I I kind of had to to do that. It was a it was about. Having the courage to, yeah, to do it, you know. But yeah, so did you all grow up together as a
1: fan? Like, so your cousins like played together when you were kids? Yeah, I love that. It's interesting that you bring up that we grew up together. I like to take credit for Jen's passion for music because although we were very alternative and we were technically bad babysitters because we were teenagers and we were total dirtbags, but um, but I think we instilled. Uh, a very early. I mean, our whole family's like this. Our grandparents loved music. You know, um, my my parents really loved music, so I think we just passed that on to Jen. We were just like obsessed with music. I think Jen had a great taste in music really young because she had all these influences around her. But then she. Turned into like such a badass teenager with such great taste of her own, and and it was it's really for us it's been really fun. I know like nepotism and all the rest of it, but we've toured with the Courtneys, Jen's other project, and I think Big Ray is really fantastic. And I do think Jen's just an exceptional storyteller, and she does it so well through music and melody, and and uh, you know, and we should take credit for that. And you should be thinking. I don't know are your liner notes done for the new album? Um, maybe you should putting <laughs> a thank you in there. Oh
2: my god, I love it.
3: <laughs> Comedy. I mean, I don't disagree. Like when I was seven, I think I was seven, I bought my first CD, which was a Smashing Pumpkins album. And that is absolutely 100% because of Tegan and Sarah. Like there's no question that they just like, I was like dressed like a little, like literally in like first or second grade, I was wearing like flannels and like. You were cool. You were cool. Yeah, like jeans with holes in them. And like no one in my- catholic school like understood <laughs> <laughs> what, what i was about <laughs> and um i still love that music like today and wait uh, that is yeah. bands like like grunge bands and what it, it definitely influenced the courtneys big rig maybe not as much but like
1: yeah jen you know, didn't you have- didn't you and talia so Talia is our youngest cousin didn't you and talia when tegan and i started starting I uh, started our band you guys took our socks and like th- things that we'd left at grandma's and then you faked our signatures and then they tried to go out on the street and hawk them like sell our belongings on the street as yes. little kids like there we was- were like
3: 10 maybe I mean <laughs> that old and we took a pair of socks to the like main intersection near our grandparents house and we were just standing on the side of the street like Trying to like sell the socks to cars driving by. And then Talia's mom, my aunt, came and like put an end to that. She was not <laughs> impressed. Like, we have
0: been quite a bit of trouble. I don't think it was like. What a spin on bad. a lemonade. What a spin on a lemonade stand. Right. Like, really exactly. interesting.
2: <laughs> Definitely yeah.
0: left of center. We champion that for
1: sure. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. We're Tegan and Sarah, and we want to launch our cousin Jen's new project, Big Rig, by playing you this fantastic first single called Crying in a Corn Maze.
0: And again, I just want to thank you guys for such an enriching conversation. You made my day brighter.
2: i the tried
0: Launch left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. LaunchLeft begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left of center artists in all creative fields.